Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. We're going to continue now uh, through our series that we've been working through for the last several weeks called The King. The King. There is one King, and it is the King, and it is King Jesus. And what we're talking about are the events and the people surrounding the narrative of Christ's birth. And so if you would turn with me to Luke chapter two, we're gonna look at a lot of scripture tonight, but we're gonna move through it, and I believe that it's gonna bless you. Luke chapter two, verses 21 through 38. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can go in the app store and you can download the YouVersion app. YouVersion, and it has every translation you can imagine on there. So go ahead and download that app. If you want a physical Bible and you don't have one, then we have a stack of physical Bibles in the back on the table that you can grab on your way out. Take one, take two, take all of them. I don't care, we'll keep filling it up. We love God's word. All right, let's look at Luke chapter two, 21 through 38. It says this. When the eighth days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. The name was given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him under his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, You can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what had been, what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in her years. Just for, just the sign. If you're well, you never tell a woman they're old, Okay. You know, this is the best way. She was well along. In her, oh, sorry. That is, that is she was well along in her years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for, 48, for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Let's pray before we dive into this message. 
God, we love your word so much, and we believe that it is through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit that lives are changed. And so, Father, we, we're going to examine your word tonight, and we, we ask, Father, that you do what only you can do, and then speak to every single heart that is here, meet every single person right where they are, and change lives. You are the teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To give you a little bit of background, this text, this passage, came about a month after Jesus was born. That's the little bit of background. All right, moving on. Let's, let's look at the first thing that we see in these first four verses is we see the presentation of Jesus. That Jesus was coming to be presented as his mother and his father were coming to present Jesus, which was customary at the time. These first four verses focus primarily on the law of Moses, the Jewish law. So we see Mary and Joseph follow to the letter of the law, the Jewish law and the customs of the day. They followed it perfect. Why? Because they were Jews. They were obedient. They were even obedient in how and who they named him. The angel of the Lord came to Mary and he said, you will name him Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. Amen? So they even followed through not only on the customs of the day and the Jewish law, but they followed through in naming him Jesus. Now, this custom, uh, I'm going to try to explain it to you so that I can help you understand, is they had to redeem, redeem the Redeemer. They had to redeem the Redeemer. They had to bring Jesus for the custom of the day after he had been circumcised and after she had finished her purification and they had to bring him before the temple to redeem him, to buy him back. Let me explain what I mean by that. Whenever the uh, Israelites were kept in, in captivity, kept in captivity, they had to make a sacrifice and put the blood over the doorpost so that they could rescue and save the firstborn of every male. So in this day, it was custom and it was law for them, for their firstborn male, to bring a sacrifice so that they could remember back to that day when God spared the firstborn males and to recognize that this child belongs to God. You following me? So it was a symbol to recognize that this child belongs to God. Now, parents in the room, I want to ask you a question. We don't currently practice this custom today under Jewish law. But I want to talk to you for just a second, parents in the room, about dedicating your child and recognizing that your child actually belongs to God. I want to encourage you with two things tonight. Number one... I want you to realize that God loves your children way more than you do. And you're like, that's not true. I would do anything for my child. You would do anything. God did do everything for your child. God loves your child more than you do. Who do we trust more? I want to tell you right now, I, I love my kids, but I trust them way more in the hand of God than in my hands. I want God to have his way in my kid's life. I want God to have his favor over my kid's life, his blessing over my kid's life, his prosperity over my kid's life, his guidance over my kid's life, his word over my kid's life. I want to encourage you tonight as a parent, if you've never 
dedicated your child. There's a word in scripture that's called consecrate, which is exactly what's happening right here. His parents were consecrating him back to God. What does that mean? That word actually means he w- they were setting him apart for a wonderful purpose. Parents, have you consecrated, dedicated, sanctified your children to set them apart for a greater, everlasting, bigger purpose in life? Tonight, it doesn't have to look fancy. It looks like this. God, I give you my kids. I pray my, your blessing over their kids. May they follow in your plan for their life. I trust you more than I trust myself. This does not release you of any responsibility to raise them in the ways of the Lord, but it is recognizing, it is giving a full testimony before God to say, I trust you more than I trust myself. Number two, parents in the room, if you're ever around godly men and women and your kids are there, have those godly men and women or elderly godly men and women, as we see, are gonna see in the text right here, have them pray over your children. Lay hands on your children. Anoint them with oil. Do whatever they gotta do. As a parent in the room, how do you know all of our kids need a little bit more prayer? I'm not gonna lie. Some of you are like, hey, I, got, I gave my kids up a long time ago to God. I'm like, I don't know what else to do. They're yours, you know? That's, <laughs> that's also okay, you know? That's also okay. But if you're ever around godly men and women, always have them pray over your children. Why? Because that could be a very catalytic moment, not only for you as a parent, but for your children. I always look back and remember, I remember when that moment changed. I believe that the Spirit can move through faithful and godly men and women and elders to move in the lives of our children and the next generation. If you believe that tonight, would you give God a shout of praise for a second? So come on, parents in the room. So this type of ceremony was being fulfilled, it was being fulfilled as the child redeemed was the redeemer of the world through his precious blood. We see also in the text that it's possible that they were poor. How can we see that in the text? Well, because uh, to bring a sacrifice, you normally would have brought a lamb. And what do we see Mary and Joseph bring? Two turtle doves. It's not just in a song, this is in scripture. They did not bring a partridge in a pear tree, okay? Just, the, just these two turtle doves. What I find amazing about this is that they were poor. But were they? Though they brought two turtle doves, they had the spotless lamb of God with them. So they weren't poor. They had everything that they would ever need in the spotless lamb of Jesus. We see in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, it says, For you know that you were redeemed, everybody say redeemed, from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. Jesus was the spotless lamb. There's no other sacrifice that could ever suffice. There is no amount of gold or silver that could ever pay the price. He was the one and only one that could provide a way, a truth, and the life for all of humanity. And we see that here in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. He was the ultimate redeemer. You see, Jesus fulfilled the law. We see in Galatians 4, 4 that Jesus was born 
under the law. I want to help you understand what we mean by this. It says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, Jesus was born under the law. He followed the letter of the law perfectly, though he rejected religious tradition. He followed the letter of the law perfect. But he didn't just come to follow the law. He came to fulfill it. We see that he followed the letter of the law in John 8, 46. He said, who among you can convict me of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He followed the law perfectly. But he didn't just come to follow it. He came to fulfill it. We see here in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now I wanna explain God's law for just a second. In the Old Testament, God had established his law, also known as his instruction for all of mankind on how to live. This was God's system put in place for people to follow. Now, the reality of the law is there was a lot of rules, and there were a lot of instructions, and it was impossible for anyone to follow the letter of the law perfectly, which resulted in what? A recognition of all humankind that we could never meet the standard that God had called us to. We would always fall short of the standard. And this is why this is good news of why he came to fulfill the law. Christ came as the perfect sacrifice of doing the law, perfecting the law 100% with his life, laying down as the ultimate lamb of God, the sacrifice, so that we no longer have to live under the law and meet the, this standard, but we are desperate for a savior. God, we cannot meet this. We cannot need, meet this. We need you, Father. We need a lamb that can suffice. And Jesus came as the lamb of God, the ultimate redeemer, fulfilling the law, so that now we don't have to live under the law, we live under grace, God's grace, God's unmerited and un favor and unconditional love over your life through his death, burial, and resurrection, and that is through his grace that we can find freedom in Christ. We were seeing Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. So it's in Christ that we no longer have to live under the law, but we can live in freedom that God has called us to. And with that being the case, I wanna ask a very simple question right now. Are you still trying to live under the law? This is what the law does. You come before and you try to make a sacrifice time after time after time. God is, are these good works good enough? Do I get the check mark now? God, did I do more good things this week than I did last week? Is that now we're good? Am I good? This is you living under the law consistently. Grace is a free gift. This is something that you cannot earn. This is something that you cannot purchase. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your works. It is the gift of God. So we get a whole new narrative after Jesus. You cannot earn your salvation and you can't work to gain salvation. It only comes through the blood-bought gift of Jesus Christ and his precious blood. <clears throat> if that's you today, stop living in bondage and accept the free gift of salvation. 
Simeon's prophetic praise. Moving on. In verses 25, we see a man named Simeon. Uh, this is the profile of Simeon. He was led by the Spirit, taught by the Word, and obedient to the will of God. And he was a gifted prophet for the glory of God. So that is one great profile. And he was old. No, we don't know that he was old. We, we, we assume that he was old. But this is Simeon. I want, I want to recap some, some specific things about his story here. First, we see a completion of the fifth and final Christmas song. Did you know there were songs? Did you see this song? It's in there. And we see the completion of it found in this text. There were actually five songs in the, uh, in the nativity scene story that you may not have even known about. The first is with Elizabeth in chapter one, verses 42 through 45. Mary sang a song in chapter one, verses 46 through 56. Zachariah sang a song in uh, chapter one, verse 67 through 69. The angels sang a song in chapter two, 13 through 14. And then we see him singing this song of praise to God found in the text that we just read. So, something that spoke to me after I was just praying about this and reading this is I was saying, People that have heard from God, people that are seeking God, people that are following after God, people of, uh, that are righteous have a song in their heart to their heavenly Father. The song in your heart, it connects the truth of God's word with, the soul, with your emotions of your soul. And you can't help but praise. There's this passion that seems to well up in every single one of these stories where God speaks to them and they're just say, God, you're so good. I can't help but praise you. I can't help but respond in obedience to praise. This is our response. God is good. God is wonderful. God blesses us. And how do we respond? We praise him. We say often we praise specific so we can praise specific, but the reality is we praise, period. <laughs> no matter how he answers our prayer, no matter when he answers our prayer, we praise, why? Because he's worthy, period. He's worthy of our praise. We see here in uh, Psalm 98.4, let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Have you heard that word in a while? Shout for joy and sing. Psalms 111.1, hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with all my heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That is why we get together and we sing like crazy. Hallelujah. Psalm 63, three, my lips will glorify you because, uh, pay attention right here. My lips will glorify you, why? Because your faithful love is better than life. His faithful love is better than life. I wanna ask you right now, do you have a song in your heart or is it dead? Is it quiet? When a worship song comes on and just connects with your soul, are you like, oh, God, you're so, why me? Or are you like, oh, I can't even take worship music. I can't, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I believe when God is doing something in your life, you have a song. It doesn't have to sound pretty. Amen. That's why, that's why we turn it up in here, so that you can get after it and nobody even knows. Everybody around you is just like, <clears throat> oh, it's ugly. It's ugly up here on the front row. Ah, it's bad. But hey, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. All that matters is what God's doing on the inside, and your heart 
And it's just genuine, authentic, welling up inside, like, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. I want to also speak to this, this word. This is, isn't it amazing that he says that you're going to keep me alive? You promised to keep me alive until I saw the Messiah. I would, I would love a word like that. Just tell me when, Lord, tell me when. But it says that you kept me alive. And I love that he says you can let your servant be dismissed. You can let me be dismissed. Some other translations say depart. Some others say die. But this Greek word has some very specific meaning to it. It actually means to release or set free. And it talks about a sailboat when you're unhinging it from the shore as you're being set free or tearing down a tent. What I, I'm not going to linger on here long. I just want to say I love the specific wording here because as Christ followers, we know that we don't die, but that we live forever with our heavenly father. We're actually set free, and the word specifically is to, to be released to go be with the father forevermore where I mean, if we experience this much freedom now with the Holy Spirit, come on, face to face with Jesus, it's going to be good. Forever and ever. Amen. Verse 30 says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes, I'm an eyewitness account. I've seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people. This was a huge theme of the book of Luke, was this idea of compassion and salvation. I'm going to tell you right now that God's salvation is for all. I want to let that sink in for just a second. God's salvation is for all. Everybody say all. All nations, all tribes, all different kinds of people, man bun or shaved head. Look, God... Crossfitter, or I haven't lifted weights my entire life. God's love and his salvation is for all. I don't care if you're in here tonight and you're homeless or if you're in here tonight and you're wealthy. God's love is for all. I don't care if you're black, brown, beige, white, transparent. <laughs> Some people in the house. <laughs> God's love is for I don't care if you're, you're gay. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're figuring it out. God's love is for God's love is for Scripture says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, Period. And if you're here tonight and you're thinking, man, I always thought that God's love wasn't for me. I want to tell you that's the enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life. God's love is that you would have hope and joy and love over your life. Not only that, he says that I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So he not only wants you to have a life, he wants you to have the, it's the good life. Hey, sorry. <clears throat> Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many. We see in scripture that Jesus is the cornerstone. So you're like, wait, Jesus is gonna cause people to fall? Let's talk about it. Jesus is the cornerstone, right? We see this in scripture. He's also, for many, the rejected cornerstone. 
also known as the tripping stone. So for some of you in tonight, he's your cornerstone. He's your rock. He's your foundation. He's your everything, which causes you to rise on wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not grow faint. Some of you, Jesus has been your tripping stone. You rejected his gift. You rejected his salvation. And now you're tripping over it. And you're falling time after time and time again, wondering why you keep following, falling. For some of you, he's the cornerstone. Some of you, he's the tripping stone. But either way, he's the salvation stone, the judgment stone, the touchstone. I'm not talking about the internet. I'm talking about the stone that can reveal your deepest thoughts, your deepest emotions, your deepest pains, your deepest grief. He's the touchstone. He can touch you to any point in your life. Jesus is the cornerstone. It also says that he's the light of the world. John 1, 4 through 5 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. I want to declare to somebody in the house tonight that you've been walking in darkness, and after tonight, you're going to walk in darkness no more because you're going to receive the gift of the light, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world city on a hill cannot be hid. Jesus, when he shines, the darkness must flee. Nothing can touch the light. Jesus is the light. I want to talk prophecy for a second. Some people are getting uncomfortable already. Other people are like, it's about time. Let's talk prophecy. I remember um, going to a church that I know and love uh, called Vu Church. Shout out, Vu out of Miami. And my wife and I went to a conference there. This was a couple years ago, uh, shortly after we had moved here. And, um, you know, we just, we just leaning in, man. We just needed a word from God. We're leaning into the worship and prayer. And there was this one session where they asked us to pray with some of the people that were around us. And so we t- I turned around and just prayed with somebody else. And I prayed with these two guys behind me. And we got in. I mean, it, it was prayer time. We weren't messing around. It was just like, we turned around. It was like, what guys, what do we need to pray for, pray for, pray for? Boom, we got in it. And we cried out to God together, and it was amazing. We finished out that conference, and we were hang, all hanging out together. And this, this pastor, he came up to me, and he said, hey, you could tell he was a little nervous. So I think God gave me a word. And I was like, hey, we need a word. We're here for a word, okay? Like, give it to me, whatever. Whatever you got, I, I probably need it. And he's like, ah, you know, and I don't, know, I don't normally do this. And I'm like, stop talking and start telling me what God told you. And uh, he said, I feel like you guys are at a critical point with the church you're planting. And he said, I, I, I feel like God told me to tell you that over the next couple weeks, he's like, the, the details are fuzzy, couple weeks, couple months. I'm like, hey, details, okay. He said, God is gonna bring families that are gonna get behind this mission and it's gonna shift the momentum that you've seen. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna pray and believe that that's a word from God. It already resonated with what we believe that God was speaking over our spirit. And before we even got home, we had two families text us and say, hey, we're all in on this thing. We got back, two more families showed up that next Sunday and got in. The next Sunday, another family. And boom, just like that. A word, a prophetic word was spoken over our life, and it shifted what God was doing in this church. We see with Simeon, 
we see him go from praise to prophecy. And he begins to prophesy over Jesus. Let's talk about Acts chapter 2. Let's go, let's go NT. Let's go New Testament here. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Can I tell you right now, old men, you can still dream dreams. Amen. (laughs) The dream is just getting started. God's giving you something new. And the young men will see visions. But what does it say about the sons and daughters? They will prophesy. And I think this is huge. You may be thinking to yourself, well, I've never prophesied. It says the Spirit will pour out. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Write this down. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love. This is the Apostle Paul. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. What? If you're here tonight and you've been sleeping on prophecy, And you think, I think God may have given me that gift. What does the Apostle Paul instruct you to do? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. I want to tell you this right now. Prophecy is not future telling. It's not mystical. Prophecy is also not from any human at all. It is special, Holy Spirit-filled revelation. If you, if you want to talk to somebody or want to give somebody a prophetic word, you better make sure it was from God. If it's your idea, your feedback, your intention for somebody's life, by all means, speak something over somebody's life. By all means, don't say it's from God. Only if it's from God can you speak a prophetic word over somebody's life. Prophecy brings truth to the present and purpose for the future. Truth to the present and purpose for the future. The primary purpose of prophecy is to encourage, strengthen, comfort, and sometimes convict other believers. I love uh, Pastor Sam Storms. He says it this way. Prophetic revelation is not only rooted in the gospel of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Its ultimate aim or primary focus is also to bear witness to the person of the incarnate Christ. Prophecy, therefore, is fundamentally christ Centered. So if you want to walk up to somebody and say, I believe that God told me that you're going to give me your car. I'm sorry. That is not Christ. <laughs> it's Christ centered. Our mission statement of Pine was to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Prophecy is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus, the incarnate death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and hope for salvation and the gospel. And the good news, it's not for your benefit, it's for the glory of God. It's not rewriting scripture either. It doesn't negate the authority of God's word. It's not like, hey, I got a pro- prophetic word, let's add it to the canon. Can- no, 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 it's not that good. Okay, this is, this, is not, this is not authoritative for God's word. This is a very special revelation that God has given you, a spontaneous special revelation for you to give to somebody else to strengthen, encourage, and potentially even convict. If you have any question when somebody prophesies over your life, The scripture says to test it. Test any prophetic word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, 22. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 22. Don't despise prophecies. 
but test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. I'm gonna tell you right now, I've had people come to me and say, God told me this, where I was like, God's not telling me that. And that does not align with his word and that does not point me to Jesus. You can test the spirit, but when, when somebody comes to you with a special word and God's been telling you that exact same word and you get the goosebumps and you're like, hey, my faith is aligning with your faith and we're gonna see God do this thing. If God gives you a prophetic word and you don't share it, woo, think of the blessing that you could be keeping from somebody else in your life. How do you hear prophetic words from people? Get in a crew. You're like, here you go. Here you go again. Push and pine with crews. It's true. You're gonna get in small groups of people where they're gonna hear about your life, hear about your struggles. They're gonna pray for you. They're gonna love you. They're gonna meet you where they are. And then you're gonna be in a crew and God's just gonna, during prayer, he's gonna give you something. And you'll be like, oh, I feel like I should tell that person something. And you're like, no, nah, that's just me. God's just like, nope, it's me. And you're like, okay, oh, okay. You sure, God? Because some of you have felt that before. But get in a crew. Go through growth tracks. Start serving. Get plugged into the lifeblood of the church. That's how you're, you're gonna be around the people that can prophesy over your life. If you're gonna prophesy, I wanna encourage you right now. The responsibility is great. So pursue righteousness. Prophecy is always based in the word of God, led by the spirit of God. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it is a weighty responsibility over people's lives. In the Old Testament with prophets, we see that God judged them severely. So if you're like, ooh, I didn't know that. So like, yeah, the judgment's extra severe. Maybe I should tread a little bit more cautiously and pursue righteousness as we see Simeon did. Finally, we see Anna's testimony. Anna, Anna's name means grace. Pretty cool, right? Also a side note, Simeon's name means sign. And isn't it interesting that when they presented, presented Jesus to the temple, we see a sign of grace? Woo! Not gonna lie, I didn't see that in my commentaries, but I noticed it, okay? I noticed it. I'm just, take it for what it is, baby. It's pretty amazing that we see Anna, Grace, praise over God and then be a bold proclaimer of the gospel. She's a godly and faithful servant leader and she's devoted herself to prayer and to fasting. Woo, I love Anna. In, the, in Luke's gospels, we see 43 references to women. This is a sidebar side note. Never in Luke's gospel does he neglect or diminish the role of women in the kingdom of God. In fact, he does the exact opposite. The people that would normally be neglected or second, he elevates and he speaks highly of. So much so, he says, this prophetess, Anna, is there with Jesus, praises God, and then goes out and boldly proclaims to the remnant that our Redeemer is here. We got some women in the house that need to raise up, be some bold proclaimers of the gospel and preachers and teachers. And at Pinewood Church, we wanna come alongside you and help you do that. Help you prophesy, walk alongside you. I love that about Luke. Is that he's focused on elevating the marginalized in that day. Being a prophetess, Anna had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's truth. 
She was faithful in the temple, day and night, prayer and fasting. I wanna ask you today, this is, this is a widow, someone who experienced probably a lot of uh, negativity over her life uh, and exploiting, despite what the law said, it was a thing in that culture. And she was faithful. I wanna encourage you today. Some of you can have a bad lunch and it veers you off course from what God has called you to do. Some of you can stub your toe and you're like, that's it, I'm out. I can't take it anymore. Come on. We have Anna, an old, old lady, man. She, I will say, she, she was antique, bro. And she was fighting. She was staying in the game. A faithful servant, day and night, serving God through prayer and fasting. You're like, I, don't, I haven't really had a lot of time to pray and fast lately. False. It's not true. You do have time. Because you have time for what you value. I, re- I really haven't been able to serve God faithfully lately because it's, I'm in a busy season. False. You have time for what you value. So... If you want to faithfully serve God, faithfully commit your life and your calling to God and to pursue what God has called you to do with your life, you can do it. Prayer and fasting through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you right now to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. Everybody in the house, bow your head, close your eyes. And the invitation is simple for tonight. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then I, I, I want you to I want you to ask God tonight. I want you to ask Him to come into your life. I want you to ask Him to make make Him Lord of your life. I'm telling you right now. There is no greater decision in this world than you can make than to say yes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't change you from the outside in. You don't have to clean up and then come to Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus meets you right where you are. So you're like, yeah, but I'm really, I'm really not a great person. Guess what? <laughs> Jesus meets you right there. But I got a lot of sin in my life. I've really disobeyed God. I mean, like a lot, a lot. God says, my grace is sufficient for even you. I can wash you white as snow. For if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have made new. And so we're gonna, we're gonna pray together right now. And if you're here today and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to say this prayer with us. And I want to ask all of those that are followers of Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me as loud and as bold as you possibly can. We like to say that nobody goes on the journey alone. If you're here today and you're going to say yes to Jesus, guess what? We're all going to pray this with you. So if you're here today, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith and your belief that Jesus is who he says that he is, that he came, that he was buried, that he died, was buried, and that he rose again, and that through his resurrection and through his blood, we can have life and the forgiveness of sins. So if that's you today, let's pray this prayer together. It says this, Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I confess I have sinned against you. 
I believe that God raised you from the dead. And right now, by faith, I say Jesus is Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. By your grace, I am saved. And by your power, I am set free. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer tonight to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, would you just lift a hand so that I can celebrate with you today? Amen, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.